Hello, I'm Jean Setzfund from AARP. Welcome to the Learn at 50 Plus podcast series. What's next for one person is not what's next for another. Whether it's switching careers, learning how to care for a loved one, using new technology to make your life easier, or protecting yourself from frauds and scams, our podcast series can help you be ready for what's next. Well, welcome to part two of this webinar, Social Security, which you need to know. Thank you for joining us today. I'm your host, Rick Young. The majority of our time uh, will be spent uh, answering your questions, demystifying Social Security, retirement benefits, and sharing tips to help you get the most out of Social Security. I'm joined today by Kathy Stokes, director from AARP Programs, and Rob Clark, a Social Security expert and a 38-year veteran of the Social Security Administration, now retired. Kathy and Rob, thanks for being here. And we're going to try a little different uh, thing with this part two of this of this webinar. Kathy, can you tell us a bit more about that? Sure, Rick. Uh, during this webinar, you can actually get your questions answered live by certified financial planners. We have a message from our special guest, John Dauphiné, who is the CEO of the Foundation for Financial Planning. So let's hear from John about his organization's mission and a little bit more about certified financial planners. Hi, I'm John Dauphiné. CEO of the Foundation for Financial Planning. The Foundation is the nation's only nonprofit charity solely devoted to bringing pro bono financial planning and advice to underserved people who normally couldn't access it on their own. And we serve many different groups from wounded veterans and active military to domestic violence survivors, older people and caregivers, low income families, people with serious illness such as cancer, and many others. I'm really honored to be joined tonight by volunteer certified financial planner professionals who've come from the foundation's partners, Stratos Wealth Partners and Goldman Sachs Personal Financial Management. During tonight's events, you will have the opportunity to have your questions answered live by these volunteers. And again, they're all certified financial planners ready to help out with questions on social security and other financial topics. The certified financial planner or CFP designation really stands out for the high level of ethics, professionalism, and competency that it represents. And a fiduciary responsibility mandates that a CFP professional looks after their client's needs above their own when providing personal financial planning advice. CFP professionals must acquire several years of relevant experience and pass a rigorous exam before they're allowed to call themselves CFP professionals. So truly, you're in good hands tonight. The nation is going through very tough times and a lot of people are facing financial hardships. I hope that tonight's event helps you get your questions answered and feel more confident about your financial future. Thank you for joining us tonight and a big thanks as well to the volunteer certified financial planners who are here to help you. All right, our thanks to John. Before we go any further today, we wanna to take a moment to address the impact of the global coronavirus pandemic and how your social security retirement benefits might be affected. Kathy, what do we know right now? Well, thanks, Rick. We know that many of you are concerned about whether your monthly Social Security benefit will be affected by the pandemic, and the short answer is no. And this is coming straight from the Social Security Commissioner, Andrew Saul. Social Security will continue to pay benefits, 
you'll see no change in your regular monthly payment if you get it by direct deposit. And for those of you who get your monthly check either by mail or put on a, a direct express debit card, that will continue to happen. We also know that there have been some concerns about the safety of postal mail. And according to the US Postal Service, citing guidance from the World Health Organization, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and the US Surgeon General, there's simply no evidence that COVID-19 is being spread through the mail. Unfortunately, due to the pandemic, social security field offices are closed temporarily, so in-person assistant isn't available right now but you can get help online at ssa.gov or by calling Social Security at 1-800-772-1213. But given the high volume of calls during the time, this time, um, you might just wanna go ahead and pour a big cup of coffee and be prepared to, to wait for some time. Later in the webinar, we'll cover additional information about how you can still apply for Social Security benefits and how a social security representative can still help you during the pandemic. Another additional step that the Social Security Administration has put into place is extending deadlines for providing documents and other information. So if you were asked by um, the Social Security Administration to provide information on uh, by a specific date, please don't go to any of the offices because as you know now they are closed but you can call or wait to visit uh, a local Social Security branch office when they reopen, or you can mail your documents to the Social Security Administration, and they will follow up with you once the pandemic subsides. Now, as we mentioned in part one of this webinar, if you joined us, the Social Security Administration is also applying what's known as the good cause policy, and this allows the agency to extend the time limits for submitting appeals and other actions during the pandemic. Another significant development is the new economic stimulus law. Now, as you know, Congress passed and the president signed a bipartisan bill with very uh, vital measures and AARP was uh, really in, uh, fighting hard for. First, the Department of Treasury has begun sending payments of up to $1,200 to well over 100 million households, no matter their work status, including people whose primary source of income is Social Security. Now, Social Security retirement and disability recipients who don't usually have to file a tax return will receive the $1,200 payments without having to take any action. You'll receive the check the way you typically receive your monthly benefit, whether it's direct deposit or by mail, or it will be loaded onto the Direct Express debit card if that's how you currently receive your benefit. Now, also know that Supplemental Security Income, or SSI, recipients with no qualifying children will also receive the $1,200 payment and they don't need to take any action. However, SSI recipients who have qualifying children under age 17 shouldn't wait uh, to get their automatic payment. Instead, go to irs.gov and look for the non-filers page to provide your information. In doing so, you'll receive the $500 per dependent child payment in addition to the $1,200 individual payment. Now, if SSI recipients in this group don't provide the information to the IRS soon, it just means they'll have to wait longer to receive the $500 per qualifying child. Uh, and if this applies to you, just go over to irs.gov and refer to the information on non-filers there. All right, thanks a lot, Kathy. That's really, really helpful.
Now we're going to be providing a lot of information, as you can see. Everything we share during this webinar can be found in the resources folder. You can access that folder during the webinar or while watching it on demand. Okay, let's get into our discussion now. During the webinar, we'll focus on many of the top questions about Social Security, such as, what is the full retirement age for Social Security benefits? When do I get my first benefit check? What about children and spouses who receive Social Security benefits? Uh, do the same payment dates apply? How much does early retirement reduce Social Security benefits? What might be the impact of the pandemic on the Social Security trust funds? And of course, much more. I also want to point out that you can access a lot of great information at AARP Social Security Resource Center. Visit aarp.org slash social security, where you'll find answers on the key factors that shape your benefits. And remember, during this webinar, you'll have the opportunity to have your questions answered live by volunteer certified financial planners. So be sure to take advantage of this valuable opportunity. At the bottom of your screen, you'll see a row of icons, each with a very unique function. If you hover over an icon, a pop-up will appear with the name of that icon. To ask your question and get an answer from a volunteer certified financial planner, click on the Your Questions Answered panel to the right of the video panel to get started. If you don't see the Your Questions Answered panel, click on the Q&A icon to make the panel appear. Next, click Get Started, then enter a keyword. Okay, let's start with some Social Security basics. Rob, what is the full retirement age for Social Security benefits? Um, uh, the Social Security full retirement age, sometimes called normal retirement age or simply FRA, uh, is the age you get your full benefit. Uh, if you claim at your full retirement age, you get your full benefit. If you apply to claim Social Security benefits prior to your full retirement age, Social Security reduces the amount you collect based on the number of months you claim early. Now, full retirement age was 65, but it's increasing to age 67. And your full retirement age depends on your year of birth. Uh, full retirement age uh, for retirement and spousal benefits is age 66 for people born between 1943 and 1954, and will gradually increase to age 67 for people born in 1960 or later. Um, full retirement age for widows and widowers benefits under the survivor program is also going up, but on a slightly different schedule. Uh, for survivor benefits, it reaches age 67 for people born in 1962 or later. One of this webinar, we talked about how to apply for Social Security benefits. Now, Carol asked, I recently applied for Social Security. When do I get my first benefit check? Well, that's a really good question. Um, and Social Security pays your benefit in the month after the month it's due. So for example, Social Security will pay the benefit for April in May. Benefits are paid on the second, third, and fourth Wednesdays, depending on the day of the month you were born. If you collect on your spouse's record, though, it would be on the day he or she was born. So here are some examples based on the day of the month in which you were born. So if you were born on the 1st through the 10th of the month, you're paid on the second Wednesday of the month. If you were born on the 11th through the 20th day of the month, then you're paid on the third Wednesday of the month. And if it's through the from the 21st through the 31st, then you're paid on the fourth Wednesday of the month. Now let's say you were born on the 15th of the month and you're starting your social security benefit this month then you'll receive your first payment on the third Wednesday in May. 
uh, what about children and spouses who receive Social Security benefits? Do the same payment dates apply to them? Well, that's a great question, Rick, and there are exceptions. For example, children and spouses who collect benefits based on someone else's work record will be paid on the same day as the primary Social Security recipient. For others, the Social Security may issue payments on the third of each month for the following reasons. You filed for benefits before May 1st of 1997. You also receive SSI payments. Your Medicare premiums are paid for by the state where you live or you live in a foreign country. Also, individuals who receive SSI payments due to disability, age, or blindness usually receive those benefits on the first of each month. If your payment date falls on a federal holiday or a weekend, then you can expect to receive that month's payment on the weekday immediately prior. And you can see a current schedule for Social Security and SSI benefits in an easy-to-read calendar at ssa.gov, or it's here in the resources folder for more information. Well, Rob, how much does early retirement reduce Social Security benefits? Well, um, it depends on the year you were born and how long until you reach full retirement age. Uh, retirement benefits are designed so that you get the full benefit if you wait until your full retirement age, which is 66 right now and gradually going up to 67 over the next few years. Uh, but if you file before your full retirement age, Social Security reduces your monthly payment by a certain percentage. And that percentage is based on the number of months that you claim early. Uh, so, for example, uh, let's suppose you will turn 62, uh, which is the earliest age to claim Social Security retirement benefits, in 2020. That means you were born in 1958. If you were born in 1958, your full retirement age is 66 years and 8 months. Now, filing at 62 would be four years and eight months before your full retirement age, and that would permanently reduce your monthly benefits by 28.3%. Uh, so if you would have been entitled to $1,000 if you waited till full retirement age, uh, you would only get about $716 if you start your benefit at age 62. Now, it seems complicated, but Social Security has charts on their website uh, where you can pull up your year of birth and, and check the percentage you would get at different ages. And keep in mind that that reduction is calculated based on months, not years. Uh, so each month that you wait to claim your benefit lessens the reduction and means you get a little bit higher uh, benefit. Um, now, also, if you claim Social Security benefits before for your full retirement age, if you're under full retirement age and you're still working, your monthly payment could be cut further depending on your earnings, how much you earn. Uh, however, that part of the reduction is not permanent. Um, you can find some more information about uh, reductions on Social Security benefits uh, in the resource folder on your screen. All right. Thanks a lot, Rob. Well, as a reminder, during this webinar, you'll have the opportunity to have your questions answered live by volunteer certified financial planners. Uh, to take advantage of this opportunity, at the bottom of your screen, you'll see a row of icons, each with a unique function. If you hover over an icon, a pop-up will appear with the name of the icon. To ask your question and get an answer from a volunteer certified financial planner, click on the 
Your Questions Answered panel to the right of the video panel to get it started. If you don't see the Your Questions Answered panel, click on the Q&A icon to make the panel appear. Next, click Get Started and then enter a keyword. Kathy, I'm sure our listeners are wondering if the pandemic will have an impact on Social Security Trust funds. Can you speak to that? Well, the answer is it's not really clear at all, Rick. Um, the Social Security trustees release a report every year on the status of the two Social Security trust funds. One pays out retirement, spousal, and survivor benefits, and the other one pays out disability benefits. The report came out just last week, but it wasn't able to take into account any possible impact from the pandemic. So, but as it stands, the trustees project that the combined trust funds will be exhausted in 2035, and at that time, the program will pay about 79% of current benefits. But as of just this week, the U.S. has shed more than 30 million jobs since the outbreak shut down large swaths of the economy. And that means 30 million fewer workers and their employers paying payroll taxes to support Social Security and Medicare. And others who have seen pay reductions, of course, will contribute less into the funds as well. Social Security Commissioner Andrew Saul cautioned that this year's dramatic economic slowdown could ultimately paint a more dire picture for Social Security and has said it's just not possible right now to adjust estimates based on the impact of the pandemic because we just don't know yet its duration or its severity. All right, thank you for that information, Kathy. It is, of course, very concerning. I see we have a practical question from Fatima, Kathy, she is newly married and asks, how do I change the name on my social security card? Well, congratulations to you, Fatima. If you change your name for any reason, whether it's uh, marriage, divorce, um, notify the social security administration so that they can update your file and send you a new card. You need to fill out a form, it's called SS5, and that's the standard application for a social security card. And you can download it from the social security website, ssa.gov. Um, due to the epidemic or the pandemic that we're dealing with right now, it really is just best to mail the form to your Social Security office along with original documents or copies certified by the agency that issued uh, the, the documents to begin with. Um, you can also call Social Security at 800-772-1213. Evidence of a name change could be a marriage certificate or a divorce decree. It could be a certificate of U.S. naturalization or a court order granting a name change. For proof of identity, you can provide an unexpired government-issued photo ID, like your U.S. passport, a driver's license, or a state-issued ID card. If you don't have one of these, Social Security may be able to accept a school, employer, or military ID card, or even a health insurance card. You also may need to provide proof of U.S. citizenship if that status isn't already reflected in your records. And acceptable documents for that could be a U.S. birth certificate, an unexpired U.S. passport, a certificate of naturalization, a certificate of citizenship, or a U.S. consular report of birth abroad. Now, your documents, as I said, need to be originals or certified copies from the agency that issued the original document. For example, the county where you received your marriage license. Social Security won't accept photocopies or even notarized copies, and you will get your documents back. On the Social Security website, ssa.gov, has an interactive page with more detailed information on what you need to get a new card. But keep in mind, if your legal name does not match the name on your Social Security record, 
It could prevent the agency from crediting earnings to you, or it could cause delays in processing your tax return. And it makes it just that much more important to notify the Social Security Administration of any name change as quickly as you can. That's a lot of information. Thanks a lot, Kathy. As a reminder, throughout this webinar, you can get answers to your questions from volunteer certified financial planners. To ask your question and get an answer from a volunteer certified financial planner, click on the Your Questions Answered panel to the right of the video panel to get it started. If you don't see your Your Questions Answered panel, click on the Q&A icon to make the panel appear. Next click, get started, then enter a keyword. Okay, Rob, let's uh, ask this question. It's about children. Can children get Social Security benefits? Uh, yes, uh, the daughters and sons of retired, uh, deceased, or disabled workers can, in many cases, collect Social Security benefits on the parents' uh, Social Security record. Uh, Social Security includes children in its benefit structure to help retirees with younger children provide for their families, and as a form of insurance when a parent dies or can't work because of a disability. Uh, there are about 4 million children currently receiving Social Security benefits each month uh, to the tune of uh, about $2.8 billion per month. Um, now, uh, a worker's biological child and, under certain circumstances, adopted child or a stepchild can qualify for benefits. Grandchildren also might be eligible if the grandparent has adopted the child uh, or if Social Security recognizes the child as having been financially dependent upon the grandparent. So uh, children can receive the benefits. Generally, the benefit stops when the child turns age 18, uh, but there are a couple of exceptions. One is if the child is still a full-time student, grade 12, high school, or lower, uh, then benefits can continue until graduation or age 19 and two months, uh, whichever comes first. Uh, benefits can also continue past age 18 if the child is disabled and the disability began before age 22. Uh, in this case, benefits can continue into adulthood. Uh, now, the child has to be unmarried to collect the benefit. Um, there is a very limited exception involving disabled adults who receive child benefits on the parent's record, uh, but mostly the children have to be unmarried to collect the benefit. Now, uh, the child of a living Social Security beneficiary, a retiree, or a disabled uh, worker can collect up to half of the parent's full retirement age benefit. Uh, survivor benefits for children can be up to 75% of the late parent's monthly benefit. Um, now, uh, I mentioned here, uh, disabled children in low-income households could also qualify for Supplemental Security Income, SSI, a program Kathy mentioned a little earlier. SSI is a benefit program that Social Security Administration uh, manages, uh, but it's not funded through Social Security uh, payroll taxes. Um, there are about a million 
minor children under age 18 currently receiving supplemental security income because they have disabling conditions. Uh, and those SSI payments for the child continue until the child turns age 18, uh, subject to periodic reviews. And then when the child turns age 18, Social Security reviews uh, eligibility under the adult criteria to see if the child can continue receiving the SSI um, in, into adulthood. Um, now, going back to the Social Security benefits for children, uh, one last thing to mention is that the children's benefits might be reduced because of uh, Social Security's family maximum. Uh, it's a rule that caps the total amount a worker's immediate family can receive on his or her record. And that maximum is more likely to come into play if there uh, are more than one ch child eligible on the record or perhaps also a spouse entitled on the record. Um, it doesn't affect what the worker collects in the retirement or disability benefit, but it can affect what the ch children or spouse receive. Okay. Well, Rob, will remarrying reduce a person's Social Security benefits? If we're talking about your retirement benefit, the benefit that you earn by working and paying into Social Security, the answer is no. Uh, Social Security doesn't have a marriage penalty. Uh, so the monthly retirement benefit that you receive uh, based on your work and the benefit that your prospective spouse gets based on his or her uh, work is calculated separately based on your individual earnings histories and they it don't change when you get married. doesn't matter whether it's your first marriage or your fifth marriage. Uh, it doesn't affect it. But remarriage or marriage can affect other kinds of Social Security benefits uh, if you're collecting on somebody else's record. So for example, if you are divorced and you're collecting an ex-spousal benefit on the work record of a living former husband or wife, uh, you're going to lose that if you get married again, except in very limited circumstances. Um, if your spouse or your former spouse is not alive, uh, then it depends on your age. Uh, you could lose eligibility for survivor benefits that you might otherwise collect on the record of a deceased spouse or deceased former spouse if you remarry. Uh, now you'll find more information about uh, all these rules uh, on the AARP's uh, Social Security Resource Center. Uh, look under the Survivors tab and the Divorce sections, and that's at aarp.org forward slash Social Security. Um, and, and marriage also affects uh, the supplemental security income, the SSI benefits we talked about, uh, the benefits for older or disabled people with low incomes uh, that's administered by Social Security. Uh, marriage or remarriage is, is going to affect the SSI payments. And, and, and lastly, keep in mind that it, you, you can't collect both a retirement benefit and a spousal benefit in full at the same time. If you qualify for two Social Security benefits, the most you can collect is the higher of the two payments. All right. Thanks, Rob. That's good to know. Well, Kathy, any final information for our audiences? Well, yeah, Rick, unfortunately, I want to call everybody's attention to a scam that's popping up because of the pandemic. Scammers are sending fraudulent letters 
making false phone calls, threatening that your social security benefits are being suspended because the social security field offices are closed. You could receive a letter or a robocall stating that the payment will be suspended or discontinued unless you call a certain phone number back. And if you call that number, the scammers may then mislead you to share personal sensitive information or to pay them some money for some reason, like to maintain the regular benefit. Um, this is not true, um, and do not call that number if you're provided one. Please just know that the Social Security Administration is not going to suspend or discontinue benefits because of the field offices being closed, and it will not suspend or decrease benefits payments uh, due to the pandemic for, you know, at all. Um, any communication you receive that suggests this is just an absolute scam. Um, Social Security in some rare situations may call you, but know this, the Social Security Administration will never threaten you. They will never suspend your Social Security number. It just doesn't happen. They'll never demand immediate payment from you, and they'll never request payment by cash or by gift card or prepaid debit card or internet currency or wire transfer. And they'll never ask for a gift card number over the phone or to wire or mail cash. Now, if you come across a scam like this, you can report it to the Social Security Administration's Office of Inspector General, and that's oig.ssa.gov. You can also report it, though, to our AARP Fraud Watch Network helpline. We have a bevy of trained fraud, uh, fraud fighter volunteers ready to help you. Um, if you just want to report something or if you feel you've become a victim of a scam of any sort, you can call 877-908-3360. You don't have to be a member uh, or of a certain age um, to take advantage of this offering. And I just wanted to say that research shows that if you know about a specific scam, like this social security scam, you're 80% less likely to engage with it. And if you do engage with it, you're 40% less likely to fall victim. So I just like to ask everybody that's listening today, you just heard about a new social security scam, tell it to everybody you know so that they in essence can be inoculated if the scam comes their way. Now that's great information, thanks Kathy. As a final reminder during this webinar, you'll have the opportunity to have your questions answered live by a volunteer certified financial planner. So be sure to take advantage of this very valuable opportunity before the conclusion of this webinar at 8.30 Eastern time. Now, Rob, any final tips for our audience? Um, yes, uh, as mentioned earlier, right now, the Social Security offices have suspended in-person visits because of the pandemic, um, but Social Security is still there. The employees are still there, they're still working. Now, if you're looking for information about your Social Security because you're you're planning for the future, uh, then I encourage you to look for what you need online at ssa.gov or at the AARP Social Security Resource Center. And then once the smoke clears and things have settled into a new normal, uh, call Social Security for any additional information you need. But if you're ready to apply for your benefit, it, you need to get it started or you're collecting benefits and need to do business with Social Security, um, you can try to do it online uh, or you can try to do it through their National 800 number automated services. Um, but if you can't get it done online or it's not automated, uh, pick up the phone and call them. They're there to help you. Just be patient and persevere. 
Um, as Kathy said earlier, pour your beverage of choice and grab a good book and settle in while you're on hold. All right, good advice. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for listening to the Learn at 50 Plus podcast. Be sure to check out our other podcasts from AARP that can help you get ready for what's next in your life. You can also continue learning by visiting the Learn at 50 Plus link, where you'll find webinars, interactive videos, online games, and in-person workshops in your community. Thanks again for being with us today, and I hope you'll join us again soon.